0: Give me one shot here on a blue chip stock.
1: Believe me, Kevin, the only problem you're going to have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is going to go up, down, sideways, or in circles. What's going on, NBA Draft fans? Your boys are back. The Wolves of Ball Street. Your favorite draft analyst, favorite draft analyst. The Draft Tag, NBA Draft Podcast. Back after uh, a little vacation um Mm. after the nba draft after the nba summer league and uh we're back today with a a fresh new episode to kind of kickstart us into the 2023 nba draft class but uh before we get started Mm. on that albert what's uh what was your impressions of of the squad when meeting together at the vegas summer league for the first time
0: um first off it's it almost feels weird we haven't done this in so long um but um obviously we're pros Corey. it's in our blood um, mm-hmm. we know exactly what we're doing Um uh, meeting everyone was great i mean I've, we've met before um i've already met rucker like three times but uh yeah meeting a draft deeper nathan Gruber for the first time was um quite the experience right nagar johnson uh, was unbelievably hilarious the whole time we were there. So it was awesome, man. It was a great experience. I'm excited for us to do more of it. Obviously, obviously next year or sometimes maybe we we'll do a whole crew together somewhere. Maybe it's not Vegas, but it's in Chicago or New York or Alabama or you know. But uh I'm hyped for it. I'm excited and uh I feel refreshed and ready to go. It's like technically this is
1: like the start of season three for us, right? This this is technically the start of season three. I mean, we, we started in the middle of the 2020 season. And uh, mm. I think our first episode was like February of, of that yeah. cycle. Maybe 2021 is that rather. Um, right, right. And then we did all of last year. And and now we're kickstarting 2023 in a big way with, um, you know, I, I think somebody who has been one of the most Sought after prospects, one of the, the most hyped prospects of okay. the last 20 so years uh, in Victor Wembanyama, um, the French prospect from Le Chesney. Um, he's 18 years old right now, listed at 7'3, 2'30 with a reported 7'9 wingspan. But Albert, if, if you look at the picture of Victor Wembanyama, Chet Holmgren, Jaden Ivey, Zach Eady, standing next to each other at the FIBA tournament and Zach Idi is a, a legitimate 74 a guy who mm-hmm. I watched in person last last year with Purdue and is just one of the most ridiculous ludicrous looking human beings I've ever seen in person mm-hmm. and he's a legit like 74 and Victor is just like towering over him in this picture so he's listed mm-hmm. at 73 but I don't think that does his height justice Mm-hmm. I really don't I, I think he's probably taller than that even which makes some of the things that he does you know even crazier who knows what his true wingspan actually is uh I mean if it was close to eight feet it wouldn't shock me um but Victor is an interesting prospect because he is a kid who uh at just you know 17 years old was playing in the second best league of the world uh in, in the Euro League played 13 games there um Split that with 16 other games, the LNB Pro A league. Uh, in the combined 30 plus games that he played, uh, he played 17 minutes per game, averaged 7.5 points per game, 4.2 rebounds per game, 0.6 assists per game, 1.5 turnovers per game, 0.6 steals, 1.8 blocks. Again, that was only in 17 minutes. Shooting percentages, um, if you're not too familiar and you've just followed along with clips and videos, you're probably going to be taken aback by some of the percentages, but shot 41.5% from the field, 27.5% from the three-point line, 68.4% from the free throw line, had a true shooting percentage of 49%. His stock price, I mean, he is pretty unanimously the number one prospect in the world, has been for years, probably would have been the number one prospect uh, in, or definitely would have been the number one uh, prospect in this class coming out if he was eligible. And he just missed the cut. But currently, ESPN has him at one. The Athletic has him at one. Tankathon uh, at one. Bleacher Report at one. SB Nation at one. He's the number one guy in this class. He is the prize. He is the reason that the San Antonio Spurs have. You know, uh, moved off of Dejounte Murray. He's the reason that a lot of these teams are going to be in a true tankathon to the bottom. the The prize is the you know French mind flaying freak uh, Victor Wembanyama in this class. So Albert, uh, I ask you as always: Is Victor Wimbanyama stock price too high, too low, or just right as the number one prospect in this class? Preseason, as we record this in July, is he worthy of this uh, this ranking?
0: I mean according to some people on Twitter uh you might think that Victor Wanyama is too low at number 1 um <laughs> I'm not of those people I think it's just right I guess um Corey I would say this and and I, and I say it honestly I think uh, I'm not there yet where I'm fully ready to be like I, I honestly don't think we top 10 first class yet. Um, I still need a little more time. I need to watch a lot more tape. And I really did enjoy my time off a little bit. I did kind of step away from college football and international and everything. But said uh, you wanted to do the episode, I dove head first, and now we're here. And I am going to say that it's just right because he is 17 years old. But the caveat, though, for me, Corey, is... um the whole time while I was watching his tape, the only thing that kept going through my head was I kept telling myself that he's 17. And I don't know if that's a good thing um, because there were some really, there were some things that he needs to work on, but every time I would pinpoint the thing I'd keep telling myself he's 17, then eventually you kind of get, like you can't keep saying that he's 17 for every little thing. So anyway, for now, Uh, I think one is just fine and it makes sense, but I think there's a very real world where uh, that may change. Uh, Last year at around this time, we said Jaden Hardy was number one guy for both of us, and that changed uh, drastically for
1: us. So uh, for now, yes, but that could change. I think that's an appropriate way to approach it, having an open mind, because, I, I mean, look historically. Like, uh... You mentioned Jaden Hardy and, and what we thought of him preseason. I mean, even if he wasn't the consensus number one guy, I think he, he came in at number three on the draft at IPO initially. Uh, Greg Oden was a, a can't miss, no brainer, number one prospect, right? Um, a few years ago, it was Zion Williamson was the can't miss, no brainer, number one prospect. This isn't a conversation. We love John Morant, but it's Zion, Zion, Zion. And, you know, um I think that's more of a conversation for a lot of people now. I don't think it's so cut and dry. I think that historically, you know, we, we see that a lot of times when we build somebody up as this generational can't miss prospect, especially too early, right. Um, that you put a lot of pressure and things change and and guys are this amazing generational prospect until they aren't. So I think that's an appropriate, I, I mean, I think that, you know, cause I've been diving into a lot of the film in this class, I think he is the number one prospect in the class. I mean, what he's doing at his size in flashes, and they're definitely flashes, is really impressive. Um, but a lot of it is a little bit theoretical right now. And But I do think this is an important episode. It's something that I want to be at the forefront of. It's something that I, I want to talk about early because I think that there is a little bit of a nuance that's lacking with Victor Wembanyama, right? I, I think that a lot of people just watch the clips on YouTube, on Twitter, whatever. And they're not actually seeing that there are a lot of parts of Victor's game that need a ton of work. And as you mentioned, what you do have to come back to is he's 17. He's playing in the Euro league for a lot of his, you know, his minutes last year and he's competing. You know, he, he looks like he fits in. He's doing things that you're like, wow, that was really impressive for the Euro league. But also, the numbers weren't there. You know, this isn't necessarily a Luka Doncic situation where he's out right. there dominating against these guys, right? He's he's having maybe some dominant flashes, but he can't put it together consistently. Um, you know, I've read there are people who said he's Rudy Gobert mixed with KD and Anthony Davis. Nice. Uh, that's insane. Yeah. <laughs> that's mm. that's an insane thing. There's a lot of words to, there. To mm. put that onto a kid is... Is, it's just it's borderline irresponsible because everybody loves propping somebody up until they can tear them down and when you put those expectations on players I think it's really really unfair um, but that doesn't mean you can't explain your excitement with certain players without like making these hyperbolic like in you know crazy um predictions or, or, or whatnot right. but uh i do think he is you know one of the more interesting prospects that we've seen come across you know the timeline over the last few years yeah. and i think that it's interesting that i think our last full episode that we did at the draft act podcast was chet holmgren and now the the first podcast that we did coming back is victor Wembanyama, who in a lot of ways um, is similar to Chet, and then in a lot of ways I think is is very different than Chet. But I, I think that that evolution, showing where this game is going with the length and the skill and the finesse, and how important that is, uh, and maybe is the future of the big man position, is is really interesting. So I, I'm excited to, to talk about him. Um, do you want to start with Victor's offense or his defense? Um... Can we go offense? Yeah, of course we can go offense. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I asked you. That was giving you the, the choice there. Yeah, I don't know. Let's do it. I'm ready. <laughs> um before we do that, can I I yeah. need to uh you know we're we're live on YouTube and, and the bots are already out.
0: Let's <laughs> so, go. Yeah. The,
1: the, the porn <laughs> bots are already out. So let me block them quick. Um geez, just just out, up. they out here. <laughs> um all right so shout out to everybody uh, watching on on youtube Uh-oh. um throw your boys uh, a like a share and uh interact with us in the chat when uh as as we're moving along with the episode all right let's talk about with victor i think you know at potentially seven Five, right? Potentially he is seven five, seven ten like, wingspan. I don't know. Just mm-hmm. absolute like literally, I've been calling him the mind flayer from Stranger Things because he's just all consuming and and frightening. Yeah. But uh to see a guy like him shoot the ball is crazy because he's already so tall. He's got a pretty right. high release, it's very smooth. Um, he can shoot it over anyone mm-hmm. and he's shown signs of not just being like a one-dimensional. Shooter, Mm -hmm. which I think is interesting. Um, so even though the three point percentages aren't there, it is, I do think it's interesting that he's a versatile shooter in that he's not just standstill, you can also run him like off movement, and he's shown that he could hit off movement. So even though he's shooting, you know, sub 30% from the three point line, Albert, like, are you at all optimistic? Uh, do you think that? It's kind of just like he knocks him down. Maybe he's going to be overrated as a shooter. I I mean, where are you at with him as a shooter?
0: Um, Where I'm at with him as a shooter and him offensively overall, Corey, is, um, as you've mentioned, and I I think it's really important for us to preface this whole conversation by saying that there are many, many flashes with his game game. And that's why uh he shows up on Twitter and Instagram a lot because he has all those flashes. My problem is when you watch the full games of Victor Wembanyama, my question that I kept asking myself and I had and I have written in my notes is I don't know what's the best part of his game offensively right now. Um, I think a a lot of his game offensively uh, needs a lot of work. Uh, But I will say this. I was watching this game. He's playing against uh, AX Milan, which uh, from what, you know, doing some Google uh, research is a team in Italy that has a ton of former NBA guys. Um, Melly was on that team. um, uh, Malcolm Delaney was on that team, whatever. Uh, Really nice shooting off the catch. When his feet are set and he's balanced uh, and he's locked and loaded, the jump shot looks great. It looks fantastic. Uh, I think where I'm at with him right now, though, and it's something that I'd like to see him work on this season, had you know, in his final season in Europe before coming to the draft, hopefully, probably a lock. Um, I'd like to see him work a little bit, you know, shooting off the dribble. Um, that part of his game, I thought, was pretty damn sloppy, uh, in my opinion. But once again, he's really young and he still has another season left in Europe where he's going to work on that and he's going to develop on that. So once again, for our listeners out there, I'm not smashing the kid. Um, I think that's just something he's going to work on this season. And i like to see him continue to try that, could try to, to continue to work on that and see him improve. But as you mentioned, Corey, the percentages are the percentages, right? And sometimes we put too much into percentages. Sometimes we put too little. But in this case with Victor, I think it shows in the tape when you watch him actually play, and also it shows in the numbers. It's something that he needs to work on. But once again, I do want to say, in that AX Milan game, he hit four or five threes, all of them off the catch, Uh little pick-and-pop action. Uh, he really, I rarely saw him do much of the pick-and-roll stuff because – There's a lot of reasons behind that, but he likes to pick and pop. And when his feet are set and he's balanced and he's squared up, it looks fantastic. So for now, I guess that is his best trait. I don't know, honestly, Corey, Um, but I'd like to keep diving into his game. The question that I wanted to ask you, though, and this is for me asking you as our resident shot doctor. um, I felt like he was missing along a lot. Uh, and that might just be me. But, Corey, can you give us a little bit of a breakdown of his jumper in general? Because I think aesthetically it looks very pleasing. But once again, the production is not there yet. Um, and he was missing a ton. So wanted to get your feedback and analysis on that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that it looks pretty good. Uh, I think he's like you said, I, I think spotting up is going to be kind of his bread and butter as a shooter. I, I know he can do a little bit of the other stuff, but his first few years in the league, I think it's very much so going to be like, Hey, are you reliant a little bit on a creator, yeah. you know, getting you open um, that way you can confidently step into a shot. I think when you look at some of the numbers split between the two leagues that he played in last year, you could see like, the euroleague numbers are drastically lower percentage wise cuz i mean it's the second best league in the world these guys are longer they're stronger they rotate quicker and i think that you know that's something that sometimes you see sometimes it feels like he's a little bit rushed in his shot because when he has time to get it off it looks very smooth he's got good right. follow through he's got a high release uh i do think that it, there's something like and it's so slight but his release is almost a little, even though it's high, I wish it was like a slight bit higher. Um, like it, it's like a little bit by his, like the top of his head, but I wish I just, Mm -hmm. it feels like he could go a little bit higher. And if he did that, it would look a little smoother, but his hand is so big. And when you see him wave goodbye to the ball, like he's got good follow through. You're just like, Oh my God, like, how do you shoot the ball when your hand is that large, even just in general? Uh, But so I think, like you said, that's going to be his kind of bread and butter, keeping the game simple. Cause I think he needs to keep the game simple. I think when you have people calling him a mix of like KD and Anthony Davis offensively, it puts all this pressure on a kid who his offensive game is developing so, so much still like it. He's far from a finished product. And I think he's far from, playing in a role that is going to mirror what he does in the nba and we're not going to see that for years and years right now he's showing all these flashes of tools that you're hoping could consistently be parts of his game but i think he's going to get rid of some of those aspects i think he's going to keep some i think the spot up shooting the pick and pop stuff that is going to be something he keeps I i do think that he's going to be able to shoot off movement at times, like, mm-hmm. you know, if he's yeah. on the wing and, you know, he, you can run a hammer action and, and get him down to the corner and, and he could knock down that shot, he'll be able to knock it down with a hand in his face. And I think that eventually that could be something that's not necessarily a weapon, but something that you can bring out um, of the arsenal every once in a while and just to keep teams on their toes. And uh, especially I like that. I think when you're, you get guys like him in the corner, If he can knock down those shots, especially off of movement, where guys are going to have to close out on him a little bit harder, he's going to have you know that allow will allow him to like pump fake and basically take like one dribble and finish at the rim where he's just attacking in a straight line. You mentioned like you don't necessarily know if he's going to be a guy who's creating off the bounce all that often, and I think that that's why he's moving to a different club next year is because he wants to show whether or not he's capable of that. So we'll see going forward. There were times where. It looked really, really great, you know, in, in these flashes. And you're like, oh, my God, I see the flash. And there were times you're like, that's a disaster. You know, yes. like, um, yes. you know, there there's one possession where it actually ended up in a foul. So the basket didn't count because the, the shot didn't count. But he like double crossed somebody on the left wing. And you were like, wow, like for a guy who might be seven five for him to handle the ball with kind of like some shake like that. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. And then he gets it up. I don't think it counted um, again because it was like a foul on the floor. But there are also times that and I kind of feel like he's like a kid who is just got his training wheels off Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and is learning how to ride a bike without training wheels for the first time. And even when you get it for the first time, you're kind of like rocking a little bit. You're kind of you know, it's not as smooth as when you've been riding the bike for, you know, 10 years and you could just hop on and it's really, you get a smooth ride. It's a little bit jerky and, and awkward and his feet are weird. And I think that again, you, it comes back to he's 17 right. and it's like, think about kids that are that tall and how awkward they could be. Right. Just, just like when you're like growing into like six, a six, four body, six, mm-hmm. five body. And you see kids, and you're like, Oh my God, they're so awkward. Cause they're growing into their body. Their feet aren't, haven't caught up yet. Now imagine that when, You have a kid who's seven, five, (laughs) you know, potentially doing that. So there are times where even when he does something spectacular, it looks a little awkward. Mm. I think that's going to level out a little bit. I think it'll get better. You know, Mm -hmm. I I think that he'll learn to grow into his body and he'll find movement. He'll figure out how to move to where it doesn't look so weird. And especially as he, you know, just naturally puts on a little bit more weight. He's not going to maybe the speed of the game. Isn't so fast. And now he's moving at a pace that will allow everything to look a little bit smoother. I I think that we're years away from that, but I do think we'll get there, but I don't think that the like face up from the perimeter stuff is something he's going to be doing a ton of. I think when he does that, it does look awkward. It Mm -hmm. does. And you know, he's also talk about skinny. Like he's not really like Chet where Chet like is not afraid of contact. Like Victor mm-hmm. doesn't really love the contact all the time. Um, So, you know, when he does drive, he's looking to avoid it. He's looking to go right. underneath and finish with length and, and whatnot. Right. And I think that, you know, that's, that's a part of his game that, I just don't know how big of it, uh, a part of it's going to be, especially because the NBA game is so perimeter oriented that it's like, I don't know how many possessions he's going to be getting at the top of the key. And it's just like, go create a shot. I, I don't know, maybe a ton, but yeah. what I will say, yeah. Yeah. I, I do think he has a go-to move. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a good thing yet, whether he has a go-to move, but mm-hmm. I do think he has a go-to move. I think that he's very smooth and because he's so tall, because of the high release, his turnaround fade away. Yeah, yeah. He gets off over everybody. And there are moments like he hit a ridiculous one in the USA France game over Patrick Baldwin Jr. Again, his feet looked weird. He hit uh, a bunch of them, you know, in, in his pro season overseas. He feels comfortable getting to that whenever. My problem is he gets to it whenever. He settles for it a lot. So I... I and you look at the percentages, numbers are numbers. It, they're not going in enough. I don't know if he's going to be good enough as a shooter to be so perimeter-based, I guess, is yeah. is my concern.
0: No, Corey, I, man, you just hit on like 40 different things. I know, I, I went off with... on a tangent. No, 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 but I, I agree with all of it. I kind of want to piggyback there that you talked the awkwardness, which I could not agree with more. And that's something that is very common too. And, and like, I hope our yes. listeners don't think that we're pinpointing Victor about this. I just talked to john Williams about and he was talking about how when he went through his growth, there was a lot of awkwardness that he was still figuring out, even at Santa Clara, even up until he was getting drafted. And mm-hmm. we see that, we saw that in Summer League, how his game in Summer League looked drastically different even from his junior season at Santa Clara. He was going up and yamming on people constantly in summer league, right? And that's something that a lot of people said, like, oh Clara, like, oh, you know, uh, you know, he, he measured well at the combine with that with his athleticism, but we didn't see that in college. and Then James Williams was like, cool, yeah, i was figuring that out. Here in Summer League, I'm gonna show you some of that and he just dunked it on everybody, right? Yeah. So that awkwardness that you talked about is very, very common and it will take time. also Victor is he's just freshly minted, like 18 or whatever, right? So I did want to say that. Um the face up stuff Corey is something that I felt Those veteran guards in Europe, they were like sharks in the water. They could Mm -hmm. smell the blood, and they were crowding his face. They were being active and physical with him. All the guys, like 6'3", 6'5", whatever, they were just crowding him and saying, like, dude, you can dribble and all that. Uh, You can try everything that you want, but we're here. We're going to get low, and we're going to make it really, really difficult for you. Right, that game against At Milan, dude, both offensively and defensively, I felt like guys like Delaney and those like the veteran guys they had on that team were really giving him a hard time. Right, so I agree with you on that. And then what was the final point that you made? Oh, the uh, his signature move, Corey, and then yeah. like overall, the, the physicality in general shows in almost every aspect of his game. We're gonna talk about his defense later, right? But like, I just. I had a really hard time ever finding any possessions and boxing somebody out, which people forget is an important part of defense. Rebounding and boxing people out is very, very important. He doesn't do a lot of that. He sets some of the ugliest screens, like really, really strange, (laughs) awkward screens uh, that were not very effective as well. But once again, he's got another season in Europe to work on that, and I really do hope uh, now we live in a world now where supposedly certain athletes don't watch tape, and they have to have certain things written into their contract to watch more <laughs> tape. But I'm excited for Victor. Hopefully, this off season to watch a ton of tape and to see the different areas of his game where he can develop. And also, Corey, from last season to this coming upcoming season in Europe, his body may evolve even more. I, like a, he may get even taller. But beyond the, him being tall, he may add five ten pounds of muscle who knows right mm-hmm. um yeah so i'm excited to see how that develops from what we have and what we can see on tape there are clear areas of his game where he needs to improve 100 percent. so i back you up on everything that you said and i'm not just here to be a yes man but i saw it on tape too um kid is um he's still a ways away and that's not a bad thing it's it's expected at that age
1: And, and, you know, to be clear, when we talk about people who we need to work, um, watching film into their contract, it's, it's Nathan from, from draft deeper and on the no (laughs) stealings team, we need, we had to Nathan, you can't just go off vibes. You gotta, you gotta watch the film, man. So we put in his contract and now he's, he's truly become a, a great scout after, after that little contract thing that we gave him, um, yeah, no. Talk, I want to touch on the screening because it he doesn't set good screens, and yeah. I and what I've learned so just learning how to set a screen. I, I guess it's a long uh, a lost art. I, I don't know. It's like so much of the NBA is pick and roll based, and basketball has become so pick and roll based that it's like, how is this not one of the essential yeah. skills that we are teaching kids? And like, mm-hmm. look, I screening's nuanced. Right. It yes. is not just you set a screen and um, that's it. Like you roll, whatever. Like you, you have to learn how to slip screen and go screens and double stagger and this and that. It, and there's so many different things that you do. But. Setting a screen, the the most simple aspect of it. Is you just have to fucking hit somebody. Yeah. Yes. Just. <laughs> Just make some contact. It opens everything up. It uh, Otherwise, you're just in the way. All you're doing is bringing a second defender and you're right. just in the way. So I I do want him to get tougher. I want him to embrace physicality because, I, you know, it's something that I, I don't think he does enough is embrace physicality, uh, at least on the offensive end. Because even, you know, without that, and I think with an open floor, like he's still going to have moments because – I, I think he's got really good hands and I think he's going to have like these moments where like, he's this real legitimate lob target with the right pick and roll partner because all you have to do is just throw the ball up and he is just taller than anybody. He could jump, he can go get it. He can right. put the ball in. he'll come down with it. He could finish off that. He could just finish by dunking it. I, I think that as a, a lob target, I mean, I think that's where you see the baseline already so much. So like at baseline, he could pick and pop, he's going to be a lob target. And at that, that his offense is going to be fairly efficient. I think projecting forward just because baseline, even if the other stuff doesn't come around and teams are like, Hey, we don't want you jacking shots up from the perimeter. So often we don't want you creating. We want you to just play simple and, and slow and just, you know, simplify your game. At least he has these things that I think are legitimate strengths, but he avoids contact on the screens. He
0: does. No, big, big time. Big time, dude. The, the game that came to my mind the most that I wrote in my notes is um, I watched a ton of his French stuff, you know, like because yeah. I feel like sometimes Euro League can be like it, it's so intense. They It's just like the Champions League in soccer where you're playing the absolute best teams. So <laughs> I felt like it could be a little daunting for 17 years. So I just kind of wanted to see a lot of games of him playing in his home league right in in the french league so there's a game they're playing against chole i hope i'm pronouncing that wrong yeah Yeah. i don't i can't my my french is not i'm i took dude i took like three years of french and i'm still not confident but uh chole and they have this big dude i don't remember his name i think his number was like number eight or whatever he was extremely physical with victor and you could clearly see on screen, I was not stocky in the building. dude, right? Obviously. Like, like bald, yeah, stocky exactly, Yeah, exactly, exactly. He was being very physical with Victor. Both offensively and defensively. Like, on the offensive side, this this guy was going right at Victor, hitting him with jab steps, pump fakes, head fakes, everything, and he's really giving him the work. And defensively too, he's putting his chest into Victor, and it frustrated him. Mm. Right, but I do want to say once again, like as a 17 year old kid with his physique, I can understand. But my the thing that I kind of wanted to correlate all this to Corey is that. Um, I don't know if it's just because of his age and also his frame, but many times when people would get physical with him, it would frustrate him. And the frustration led to a lot of mistakes, especially mm. defensively, where I felt like he would get frustrated and he just started flailing around. And we'll talk. Let me kind of pop the brakes there because I've done that later. But overall, I do agree with you. There is a he's not very uh, excited to engage in any type of physicality. Uh, And I'm hoping he, you know, maybe adds a little bit of muscle, or maybe it's a mentality thing, right? Where he just embraces the physicality of the game, but overall there were times where the physicality would fluster him. And that's Mm. something that is a mental thing that I think he's going to have to work out in the upcoming season, because the NBA will also be very physical at times, and there are going to be monstrous dudes who are going to hear all about Him being the next unicorn, the next KD, the next whatever, they're going to come for his neck every single night. And mm-hmm. he's going to have to find the mental fortitude to not let that fluster him because even in the Euro League, these, you know, these Euro guys, some of them are, you know, tough guys and they sure went after him and they wanted him to know that we're going to be physical with you from, from the jump. So I think the, the the mental fortitude aspect of it is something I'd like to see him improve upon as well.
1: Yeah. There's like, um, in the FIBA USA game, and uh, let's put this narrative to bed.
0: Okay, let's do it. Let's do that, it.
1: That um, that Chet he bitched Chet Holmgren around in that game. <laughs> if if you are telling me that, what you're actually telling me is that you actually didn't watch the game. And if you did watch the game, what it tells me is, well, you don't know how to watch basketball. And mm. I don't mean that as an insult. It's just yeah, you have to pay attention. Uh, I, I went through and because I I, re, I probably watched the game four times. I rewatched it today. Like. The first quarter, Chet outplays him like Chet's responsible for the first nine USA points, either scoring or assist. Yeah. He there's a possession where he beats him down the floor um, for for an easy dunk. And like that's something that you see later in the game with Patrick Baldwin, like Victor doesn't like hustle back like that. Um, then the second quarter, I don't think they match up until like the two minute mark and like there's no scoring on him uh you know he he's got a a couple of like like they don't even guard each other for the most part like right like like he he spent more time on kenneth lofton jr um on uh the creighton big that was on that usa team like they weren't even guarding each other for the most part so let's put that to bed that that he dominated chet holmgren or whatever it's not to say that he didn't have a great game he had a great game Right. But to say he dominated Chet Holmgren is an insane thing. But there's a position, uh, a possession uh, against mm-hmm. Chet where Chet's lined up. He's guarding him out on the perimeter and he tries taking him off the bounce and Chet's just staying with him. And Chet's long as hell, too. And he tries to do this like up and under thing. And he tries finishing with his left hand and it's awkward. And it's just a wild miss because he just didn't want to try to, like, yam it on Chet and draw a foul. Right. Mm hmm. You know, you know, and that's something that I think is where he needs to get tougher on the offensive side. He just needs to if it's not coming off like a putback, he's like he's like an insane garbage man, too. Um, If it's not coming off that putback, like he's just not embracing the physicality enough. And like you 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 mentioned, you know, a bunch of different points like on why and uh, especially in the Euro League, but like in these leagues, like guys are going to test him. You're generational. OK, show me. Mm hmm. Right. So I that that's something that I, I think he's got to <laughs> work on. But I, he still he has all these skills as a big man, too, which like down on the block that are really interesting. I think he's got um, good touch out of the post. He's got good footwork that I think like for me, I would rather see him try to maximize that aspect of his game because he could literally be Kareem like on the block you know where he's so much taller that there's nothing yeah. you can do. All he's got to do is is get vertical, raise his hands as high as possible and you cannot block his shot. I would rather him learn how to maximize that part of his game than this funky perimeter stuff that just really hasn't paid off yet. And again, he's 17. You have to come mm-hmm. back to he's doing this at 17, right? That's and and that's great. But there are parts of his game that are I think could be better going forward than other parts. And I think if he learns how to be efficient down low, it could open up a lot of things, especially because I want to touch on his passing. I just want to transition there. Ooh, yes. I heard somebody say like, I watched like a video or something, or maybe I was reading and somebody like compared it to Jokic even as a passer. And I'm just like, yo, what the fuck is everyone watching? Um, it like, what is everyone watching? like, he can't he's he averages like double twice as many uh assists Mm -hmm. and it's uh turnovers than assists so it's just his passes are wild he's sloppy with the ball like he's tall he's much more of a one pass away kind of guy um again there's been a flash here or there but like to force him in this like role where you're like he could be one of the better passers from the spot i don't think he has the touch or the feel like he overthrows guys on um entry passes all the time there's there's a lot of things that i I just don't know if we're watching beyond highlights with victor
0: Corey, i i I literally could not agree with you more that was the one thing that i wrote in my notes in all caps like i look a couple possessions they're playing in zone catches in the high post he makes like a nice little pass to the weak side wing guy hits a three cool that's a pretty basic read. A lot of high school guys make that pass very easily. Corey, I'm sure a lot of guys on your team that you coach can make that pass. I don't find that as an advanced read well, at all. Yeah, hopefully. Sorry, hopefully. Okay, fingers crossed. But uh, Coach Tullabo will coach him up. Um, my thing is, like, that doesn't feel like an advanced read. My problem is, Corey, and I loved what you just said, he does not have half the touch on his passes that Jokic says. Not even half. All oh, of it's not even passes, a quarter. It's not even a tenth. It's correct. All of his entry passes are disgusting. They're really, really bad. As you mentioned, he overshoots a lot of them. The velocity on them are kind of all over the place and not really catchable for the... how I, I really should have written down all the times that I saw him just absolutely throw a pass that's uncatchable to his big, right? That was with him, paired with him. It, and also, we haven't even mentioned, I, I totally, it was just totally beyond me. I did not realize that he was playing with the, uh, with the uh, um, Antetokounmpo brother um K- yes. costas right yeah i didn't. yeah watching the tape i was like oh hello and it wasn't that impressive <laughs> so I, I i get it while he's playing there um but you know it's the passing's just not there you know as you said a lot of one one pass away basic stuff um but for me it was like just looking at the level of the passes that he was making none of that would be stuff that we're writing in our notes like oh my god like, did you see that pass it was like all right cool like you made a basic read um not to toot my own horn but i feel like you and i can make those passes Um, a lot of them. It's the stuff that I was seeing. So, um, well, maybe in my rec league. Yeah, exactly. Not in NBA for sure. (laughs) This is this is me in my Korean church league. Is where I'm going to (laughs) be making these passes. Where I'm Sean Bradley because everyone's shorter than I am. But um, yeah, I'm I'm with you, Corey. Nothing's that advanced to me yet. But who knows, right? It can get. Can it get there? No, I actually don't. I no. You know what, Corey. I want to say this. Uh, I don't think he ever gets to being a Nikola Jokic passer. And if people want to come to my head for that, it's
1: fine. I just don't think that'll ever happen. Uh, honestly, well, one, Jokic is the best passing big man of all time. Yeah. I, I will promise you he is that the he has not shown any flashes to do that. Can he be an adequate passer? Sure. Sure. Yeah. But he hasn't shown anything to me that it's like he's a special passer. Right. None. Nothing. None. He doesn't. There's no like um crazy like short roll reads where i'm like whoa that was nuts like every- he's shown some flashes okay that are that are good yeah. that are good but i'm not running my offense through him he's not um, even trevion williams dude no he's not shout out trevion i i the thought of him in golden state's kind of split post action i love the the thought of that i hope he makes uh the final warriors roster that was kind of the spot we really wanted him to go to before we transition to defense um Shout out to the chat, Um, you know, throw your boys a like, throw us a share, you know, shout out to everybody watching along live. Um, Just want to clarify for our boy, Rain Gibbs, who, um, you know, watches us and and shows support all the time, uh, who said it's a bit bit disingenuous to say Victor didn't get a few buckets on chat in that game. Absolutely. He did. There was a a beautiful post move uh, where he showed his footwork and touch, which is again, why I want him to expand that part of his game. Uh, He came over the top finished over Chet because Chet didn't box him out on uh, one of the on a possession. But there is a narrative built around that game where it became Victor versus Chet that when you mention it, it's like, oh, Victor dominated Chet in the game. And it's just not true. It's just not true. And it's mostly not true because they weren't even really guarding each other all that much. They they just weren't matched up. So it's not to say that Victor didn't show, have positive moments against Chet. That's that's not true. And because I think that they both had positive moments against each other when they were matched up, which was not all that often, frankly. Like they threw number 25 on the French team, who was like a wing. That's who guarded Chet the majority of the time. Yeah. In that game. Yeah. Um, So they they just weren't matched up on each other. So I just want to clarify that. It's not to say that like Chet fully outplayed Victor, Victor fully outplayed Chet. They just weren't even really matched up on each other all that much was, was my point there. Uh, Albert, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to touch on his defense. All right. And we're back uh, to talk about Victor Wembinyama's defense this is this is the stuff albert this is where there's room to get excited really excited this is where he's going to be as our uh our friend um rain already said victor's defense is a lock already I, I i would tend to agree with you on that he's just such a physical freak that there's so much that he does well already that this is why he was playing in the euro league because it wasn't for his offense. <laughs> this is why he was able to play in in men's leagues have the effect on games that he had because he is um, a great great defender and he could be a special defender I think that you know he's going to be a perennial defensive player of the year candidate for uh, the amount of time that he's in the league uh, once his he's fully matured as a um, as a player so we should start with this rim protection. Because when you're that long, that tall, have that, you know, uh, high of a standing reach, it you want to know, can you block some shots, right? And <laughs> this dude, can, <laughs> he can block some shots. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, no, Corey, like, we've been
0: I think, on the offense side of the ball had critiques, right? We had areas sure. of improvement for Victor, right? Defensively, mm-hmm. I'm also gonna have some critiques and some areas of improvement for yeah, Victor. That's why. Uh, however, the raw talent and the raw um measurables on this guy already have him being a pretty goddamn good defender. Uh he can block some shots, like that's something that he is quite good at. Um, he enjoys it. Uh, quite a good amount and uh is going to be I think the marquee skill for him for sure. Now we're gonna get into some of our gripes with him as a defender, but but at the very base level he's gonna be a very effective rim protector for sure.
1: Yeah. I um I, I think he's got uh good instincts, good timing. Yes. He's agile. Um I think he could be jumpy as most young bigs can that are trying to block shots. Uh, But uh, there are also a lot of times where he does stay on the ground and he just is so long that he can just, you know, put a hand up and block a shot. Um, I think that sometimes guys will go into his body and it's a little bit like the Chet thing where he's skiddy and they'll move him, but he's so long that he can recover and still block your shot. Uh, He, like, there are times where, he could be a little bit slow to react, but then there are also times where once he does react, he's able to react so quick and recover that he can like opposite hand turn and send your shot. Uh, I think that where sometimes you do see a little bit of feistiness from him are on some of these shot blocks. Cause there are a lot of times where it's like, he's very cool, calm, collected poised. And sometimes you're like, well, I wish you, you know, played with a little bit more fire. But then on the defensive end, there are times where even though he has that same poise, when he blocks a shot, there's a little bit of badassness that comes out. And I I think, again, you come back, he's 17. Maybe he's a full-on badass when he's 22. Maybe he realizes fully his capabilities. He matures. He grows into his mentality. He becomes a man, and he's just like, I'm a fucking monster out here. Like, you're not getting anything to the rim. So we'll see. I think he's shown enough flashes of that feistiness on some of these shot blocking attempts no i'm with you dude i I think it's very much like that whole like
0: animal instinct king of the jungle let me exert my dominance type of thing offensively yeah like on dunks for sure you'll see a little flash of that but he likes blocking shots i i think it's something for him that he actually really enjoys doing and he's pretty goddamn good at it i'm with you though Corey. i I think when you watch him kind of one-on-one in the post guarding these big physical old guy strength uh euro bigs there is a jumpiness to it because i think a lot of those guys are very savvy with the head fakes and the jab steps and like they're very they have a lot of tools in their toolbox when it comes to their Mm -hmm. post game and i think for victor because he knows that he's a little bit weaker he can be a little jumpy towards those moves right and he tries to overcompensate a little bit try to take that step a little bit quicker to stay in front whatever so he can be a little jumpy but as we've mentioned, Corey, like the length makes up for a lot of it. The anticipation makes up for a lot of it. And the desire. There is that animalistic instinct for him that he wants to go and get those blocks. So uh it does make up for a lot of those little 17-year-old mistakes. But as we've mentioned, Corey, if once he starts to fine-tune that and clean that up a little bit, we're talking about a very scary uh defender for sure.
1: Yeah, and and I think that one of the areas where he needs to improve a little bit. And, and honestly, it's, it's, it's maybe something that just happens as he gets more comfortable with his body. I think that he's, so, he's just so big that sometimes his load time on jumps, like if he's got to come from, you know, uh, he's on the weak side and he's got to come over to help protect the rim uh, on like a, a drive or something. There are times where he gets there late because, and it's not necessarily from reaction. Like he's, in good position. It's just sometimes like he just can't get there in time physically uh, because he's so tall. And sometimes like, you know, he'll pick up a foul, like foul trouble is an issue with him, right? This, this is something that, yeah. you know, uh, is something that a lot of young bigs deal with foul trouble. It's something that a lot of shot blockers deal with. Uh, and it's something that, you know, I think he's going to have to learn to deal with as, as, as he's out there like especially offensively is if he's going to take on a bigger role that means he might be a little bit more tired defensively well, right sure. and he's going to have to learn how to balance uh the offense and the defensive side of the ball because look you want him on the floor for his defense he's probably going to be on a team uh in the NBA that has a number one option you know, even you look at all of the teams that are going. to Most of the teams that are going to be in the sweepstakes for him this year, maybe Houston, maybe Detroit, maybe OKC. A lot of these teams already have like their go-to guys, right? Like you, you don't need him to be your go-to guy. I guess maybe San Antonio, but maybe they're hoping Primo and or, or Wesley or whoever. Um, but for the most part, you're. It's like the defense is what you want. So you want him on the floor. You want him to be out of foul trouble and. Because of his reaction time, sometimes he gets himself into a little bit of foul trouble. So I, that's something he's got to clean up. I think it was he averaged like 4.9 fouls per game per 36 uh, in Europe last season. So no, no, I'm, I'm with you, Corey. And it's I think
0: because of the size and the mobility, he moves incredibly well for his size. Uh, his team asked him to guard out in the perimeter quite a lot. And mm-hmm. he picked up a lot of fouls guarding three-point shooters. You go to that watch one of the, one of the uh, games later in the season when they play against Paris. Right, he fouled maybe two or three guys on three-pointers, and it looked pretty gnarly. Um, if you watch those possessions, he straight up just flailed himself at the shooters, and it was not clean. It was not a text closed out. It was really, really sloppy, and it led to fouls, right? That's something he can work on, though. These are things that, with coaching, with fine tuning, can develop and get better at. But I'm, I'm with you, Corey. The fouls are pretty gross sometimes, even the game against uh, Lamont. Uh, no, no, not Lamont. Like Dijon, Dijon. There was a smaller mm. guard. And so, Corey, this one, this one was interesting to me that I wanted to ask you about. They is I don't... they they put the a whooping on them, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. But there was a smaller guard on that Dijon team who was consistently getting switched on. Well, sorry, uh Victor was getting switched on to him defensively. And mm-hmm. he actually, like oddly, was never afraid to put up a jumper against Victor. And I didn't know if it was like like this FU energy from the guard who just didn't want to show any type of hesitation was just putting them up but there also was this thing that I noticed in a lot of games that over the course of the season these guards were hoping to either get fouled or to have Victor come kind of come out too far and then they'd kind of just blow right by him I've mentioned him many times before but Malcolm Delaney that game when he's playing for AX Milan he kind of Walked by Victor. I think it was early in the first quarter. He had this nice, like, in and out move, got right by into the basket. And I think later on in the season, I think these players start realize that Victor can get a little bit sloppy guarding out in the perimeter. And the smaller guards, more savvier guards, were trying to take advantage of that. So I think that's something that Victor is going to have to clean up a little bit when he's coming out to contest smaller guards, being a little bit more disciplined, not flailing his, his body and his arms all over the place, and just being a little bit cleaner on that end I think will help him a lot because
1: a lot of these guards were starting to smell that out a little bit I think that guarding on the perimeter so it's hard so there's the nuance I think it's both a strength and a weakness of him I think it's his Mm -hmm. biggest weakness when guards actually put the ball on the floor and drive on him I think that going back to kind of like his foot speed like could be a little slow sometimes guards we're not really afraid to drive on him because once you get a step on him, it's almost like you can create enough space that he's, even though he's long, he's probably not going to really recover. If there's like, especially if there's no help there, like if it's just an open lane, if he's what's standing between you and the rim, that's probably going to be something you can attack. And there was countless examples of that throughout his season that he struggled with. But I actually thought, And of course, like if you're guarding shooters on the perimeter, sometimes just by the nature of the fact that you're contesting them, you might foul, right? And and NBA shooters draw fouls at the three-point line, especially with the volume so up um, with shooters, you're going to foul sometimes. But I'm not really worried about that for him. What I'm – because I actually think that's one of his biggest strengths is if you're getting a shooter to settle for a jump shot over him, I think that's a major win for for Victor and the defense because he is so long, and I think that he's good getting low and wide, but still being able to contest um, with high hands. That it's just such a difficult shot. It's literally like if you've ever seen you know training videos, if you've ever used them, you know you follow like an IG trainer. They have those wiffle ball bats with padding on them. That they use yeah, yeah, to kind yeah, yeah. of to, to act as uh, you know, because they're not tall enough to like a, NBA players are, so they use those to kind of uh act as as the length. That's kind of what Victor's arm is. So it's kind of like shooting over one of those. So for yeah. me, if you're if he's forcing guys into jump shots, that is a big time win. Um, but you know, getting switched onto guards, yeah, he struggles with that. And especially uh his team didn't always have the best positioning in uh, help, right. So, you know, they they didn't make it easy on him. So instead of like, all right, he got blown by, but somebody's there to help. Sometimes it would just be like a layup or they would go uh, reverse layup to use the, the rim as some extra protection. I think that was a struggle. But I do think as a perimeter defender that Victor did really well on forwards and, and yeah. larger perimeter guys. Uh, you know, I, I think that kind of like the more wingy guys who aren't as quick twitch as guards are I think that he did a really good job on, on those guys kind of job uh, kind of guys. He did a good job uh, on Chet when Chet drove on him, you know, similar to how Chet guarded him and made it hard. He, he was able to stay, um, you know, hip to hip with Chet and, and force him into uh, a tough layup as well in that FIBA game. So I, I think those bigger guys, maybe guys in like the six, six to kind of like six ten range, which the NBA is filled with. I think he's going to be fine foot speed wise. Right. so. But yeah, if he gets switched onto a guard, especially NBA guards with NBA space, it's going to be tough. Now, yes. what will be interesting, what will be like an interesting wrinkle is like. How far out does he even need to switch out on some of these guys like Trey Young mm. was willing to pull up at 36 feet, right? Like Dame will pull up at 36. And a lot of times these guys are just willing to take those shots like they actually want to do that more so than get it to the teeth of the defense it might be a big advantage to have victor out there because one of the things that you watch with his pick and roll defense is um and in his leagues these guys don't have nearly the range of nba players yes Yes. you know these guys are shooting much closer to the three-point line than a lot of these nba guys are uh he's able to pretty much stay at the free throw line when he's playing drop coverage and still Mm -hmm. contest at the level of the screen which is crazy because more most bigs kind of have to you know come up to the level and then drop back to play the cat and mouse and he can kind of just stand there and with the high hands contest Mm -hmm. the shot and touch the big at the same time um so if he's guarding up high even with some of these guys he might be able to contest from like the three-point line on some of these 30 foot plus shots which you know is an insane concept but uh Yeah. yeah i i think that the the all the different schemes, I think he projects well in, in these NBA schemes. Cause I think he could switch uh, as well as somebody, his size possibly ever could, especially mm-hmm. against bigger guys. And as the NBA keeps trending up size wise, I think that'll be to his, to his benefit. And I think he's tremendous in drop. Uh, he's, he plays the cat and mouse. He'll get back to the big when he hits the roll. he could stay with him. He flips his hip. There's a lot to like there with his scheme versatility. Mm-hmm. no i'm with you and i actually ring dibs in our chat just wrote you know should victor be trying
0: to guard on the perimeter a lot at seven three that's just be a plus right and no i agree with that i, I definitely do think it's a plus and i wasn't trying to say that he can't do it or that he's bad at it i think it's just um A little bit more discipline is what I'd like to see. And I think he's going to get there very easily. Like, even in this next season in Europe, he may grow leaps and bounds at that just from watching some of the tape that we're watching. You know, he obviously has uh, the same access, if not much more access, to his own tape. And I think that's something he's going to clean up. But for sure, I'm definitely with you. Like, the length and stuff is unbelievable with him. And uh, as you mentioned, the drop coverage stuff is unbelievable. And he's huge. He's absolutely huge. And I definitely think he's going to be able to um. Once again, in this next season, be able to work on these things that we're talking about, and we may have a very different co- uh, di- conversation in like what six months from now, right? When, when mm-hmm. we're talking about heading into the next draft, might just be like, yeah, cool. So, in this in this last season in the Euro League, he just kind of cleaned up. All the stuff that we critique from on, and he's an unbelievable defender from day one, is also a very real possibility with him. But uh, I do think that the youth stuff is there. I do think the flustered stuff is there. That one again, I want to just mention, that Paris game, he was flustered a little bit. He was frustrated, and he fouled shooters with just being a little sloppy and a little bit emotional, which is a part of the game and happens, especially when you're 17. And I think that's something he's going to work on to be absolutely great. So uh,
1: I'm with you on that. So there, uh, one of the the questions that's kind of been um, repeated in the chat is people being worried about his health. Now, I, I don't want to necessarily sit and project his health right. going forward because I am not a, a doctor. I'm not a, a sports scientist. I don't know about how he's going to hold up over time. Uh Still Knicks fans, you know, as like, does Victor have an injury history? Uh, he does. You know, he missed um, part of his season, the end of his season last year with a stress fracture. I think he's had a bunch of other little injuries here and there. Um, so, yeah, he's he doesn't have like a clean bill of, of health. I watched a video recently that kind of broke down every NBA player over seven, three. And basically what the, the gist of it was is like, you know, Victor might be the first guy to be able to overcome the fact that there's been like three NBA players who were able to play for like a long time at a high level in the league without sustaining serious injury. It seems as though the cutoff is like seven foot seven, one for like a clean bill of health. Like, you know, once you get to that 7-3 range, it just seems like you get banged up more often. But that's projecting something that is just a toss-up. It's a guess, right? There's no way to know for sure. The NBA is different. Um, you know, he's he's not going to be banging like he used to. Sci- you know, sports, science is better. Uh, med- the medis- medicals are better now. Like, right. Who knows? I don't know. I can't project that forward. So for anybody in the chat asking, I think that it's hard to say. Um, I I don't think you would be wrong to be a little bit nervous just because of the way he moves and, and the fact that, you know, he's had some injuries here and there before, but even with that, he's still going to go number one, unless there's some disaster, like he loses a leg this year. It's going to be hard for me to see that he doesn't get selected. Number one, um, overall but you know we'll see uh all right albert yeah. i'm not going to ask you about specific teams cuz who knows maybe our friends in okc are uh you know maybe they take a leap maybe with mm-hmm. their these rookies they take a leap who knows maybe houston maybe they take a leap with some of these guys maybe there's a whole different group of teams that we weren't expecting maybe somebody gets injured maybe they trade off i don't know i'm not going to ask for the what team gives the best roi cuz we're so far from the regular season right. but it is time for America's favorite segment. It's time for you to sell me this pen on French unicorn big man, Victor Wembanyama.
0: All right, here we go. Uh, first off, I want to say all the u pen companies, uh, you guys are really slacking. You're missing an opportunity here to sponsor this unbelievable segment on our show. But here we go. I want to sell this pen on Victor Wembanyama. It'll be our first one for the 2023 NBA draft class. And I want to start it off right. Okay. Victor Wembanyama is a guy who. Is uh, number one as we've mentioned, nine million times. On this bot already he is seventeen. Well, sorry, he's eighteen years old now. Uh, he was seventeen last season when we were playing, but eighteen now. And he is a player who is listed as seven foot three. Might be seven foot nine. We don't know yet. Uh, he's an absolute giant human being who is very athletic. Right? He's not just tall. He's very athletic. He is very mobile. Moves very very well. We're not saying he's an elite athlete, but he's a very uh, he's high end athlete who moves very well for his size. He's very coordinated. Uh, he's a guy who loves blocking shots and playing defense. Offensively, he is growing into his game. Uh, we I, we should imagine that in this upcoming season in Europe, he's going to grow leaps and bounds as an offensive player as well. I think his handle is going to improve. I think the shooting is going to improve. I think his physicality improve. There are different areas of his game where, hopefully, fingers crossed, we're going to see a lot of growth. And by the time he enters into the NBA draft, he's going to be an absolutely Terrifying prospect, right? If all goes well, now we're talking about an ideal world, right? Uh, if all goes well, he's going to be an absolutely terrifying prospect that you would love to add to your team. Everyone's talking about the Spurs and them tank tanking to get there. Well, you know, they have a team that might be set up for him to go and be the number one guy. You know, maybe Doug McDermott might have something to say. He might be a little frustrated with these claims. He might want to be the top dog there. I'm not sure, but he is a guy that you would love to have on your squad to build around as of now. We obviously have to watch how the season goes. He may be um, easily the number one guy in his draft class. And we're talking about a very explosive, exciting, and talented draft class that he's going to be a part of. But Victor very may well be the number one guy now and the number one guy when the
1: time the draft comes. That he might. He is a terrific prospect. I know that, you know, if you've, Been following Victor, you see mostly praise. You very rarely see, you know, talk about any of his weaknesses here. But I think that this episode, what we wanted to accomplish was we wanted it to be an honest assessment of his game. We wanted to come into it and say, hey, this kid does have special talent. He has shown some special things for a prospect of his size. He looks like the evolution of where this league is going, but he's also a 17 year old basketball player. Who has things he has to work on? He's not a finished project product. He is not necessarily even, you know, like Kevin Durant was where he was dropping, you know, uh, you just knew that his offensive game was going to translate because he was dropping 30 points a game in college or or whatnot. There's, you know, he's had flashes of dominance, um, but he needs some seasoning. And he's just 18. So this is the year where hopefully we see that that game grow because if you've been around youth basketball at all you especially when you see guys who are like playing up a level which Victor's pr- pretty much playing up uh a level as much as you possibly can outside of going straight to the NBA or even going to the G League like Scoot what you see with youth basketball players is they will take massive leaps out of nowhere. Like one day something will click and all of a sudden they are just awesome. And like it could happen in like a summer league or a fall league. It could happen at one point during the regular season. These guys, they're so young. They have so little experience that eventually it just clicks. So that could happen. And he could, you know, we could be doing his, because this isn't the last time we're going to talk about Victor. We're going to do an episode leading up to the draft. Talking about his game after his season's over, and at that time, we might be like, "Hey, he looks like Kevin Durant and Anthony Davis and Rudy Gobert mixed together." Maybe we're back, we're on the bandwagon there by the end of next season. But right now, we wanted to have an honest assessment of his game. Kick off the 2023 cycle with the number one prospect, and we don't want to lie to you guys. We want to give you guys our honest assessment. We're not trying to hate. We're not trying to, um, you know get clicks or anything we're just trying to be like this kid's awesome but he's got stuff he's going to work on so hopefully this episode makes you want to go watch some of these full games um, from victor and hopefully you can see what we're saying um, with some of our assessments but any anything that you want to ask us make sure you hit us up on twitter uh in the youtube comments you know make sure you know they're they're down there Email us, whatever. Contact us, and we'll we'll talk, you know, Victor Wambanyama with you and uh, go in-depth on on why we feel the way we do, even more so than we did here, if, if you need further explanations on anything. So uh, in order to do that, you need to know where to find us. So, Albert, where can the people find you? Well, really quickly, Corey,
0: before we go, I did want to say, um, as a heads-up for you guys out there who are about to watch these full games about Victor, I want to give you a little bit of a heads-up some of the French camera work of these games is horrifyingly <laughs> bad for whatever reason. Uh, when they run out of transition, the cameraman does not want to follow. And so late, very confusing. <laughs> it's I was like, <laughs> so confused, dude. I literally wrote down a list of games where I was like, okay, the games again, the games, Lamont, uh, Asvel. I, Know if that's what it's said, Dijon. Like a lot of these games, the cameraman is just not keeping up with the action, and you will miss out on some dunks. So, want to give yeah. you guys a little bit of a heads up. Le Portal. Yeah, if I was pretty confused for as what the hell was going on, but it's a very common thing in French basketball for the camera to not keep up with the action. So, little uh, little disclaimer for you guys. You know who are going to get into these games, but you can find me at Alberto Gim on Twitter. Is where you find me. Um, I'm a part of the No Ceilings Collective. as is Corey and the this amazing pod. And it feels incredible to be back. I feel like I had a lot of fun talking about Victor. And as you mentioned, Corey, we try to be as objective and fair as possible. We constantly mentioned the age and the youth that we're not trying to, you know, rail the kid and make it seem like he's terrible or anything like that. Corey, you and I are not clout chasers. We do not care about that at all. We just really want to give you guys uh, as objective of a view as possible. And I hope we did that today.
1: I, I think we did. Um, and if you want to see Victor look like the player that people are, are saying that he looks like watch the laporto game where I think he has 25 points, like five threes hits a ridiculous off the bounce into a turnaround jumper, watch that game. And that's like, you're like, Whoa, this dude is fucking legit. And he is. Um, but there are a lot of other games where we had to give you objective analysis. Um, So you can find me at Corey Tulliba on Twitter, NBA Draft Dude on YouTube, uh, NBA Draft Dude on TikTok, um, NBA Draft Dude on Instagram. I've been trying to hit up some, figure out the Instagram reels, working on the TikTok, trying to, you know, get the whole social media package set. Because at No Ceilings, which you could follow it at No Ceilings NBA, we're trying to take over and dominate the space. So we're doing it everywhere. We have the saying, no ceilings is everywhere. And next season, that is going to be true. We are going to be in your face on every social platform. Uh, if you want to, I wrote about Victor uh, a couple of weeks ago. So if you want to read uh, a piece with some video chopped in to kind of see how I feel and you haven't read it already, you can go to com and look for my piece on Victor. Uh, I wrote about Quentin Grimes with Tyler Metcalf last week as well on No Ceilings NBA dot uh, com which is free to subscribe to uh, and you'll get work delivered to your inbox all throughout the off season and then once the season starts monday through friday uh and again it's free so um that's gonna do it for us at the draft act nba draft podcast we appreciate you all for rocking with us we are excited to be back we are out peace peace